0: Hello and welcome back to the Trading Table Podcast. I am your host, Dynasty and I'm joined as always by my good friend and co-host, Dynasty Zoltan. Uh, today we're going to be talking about a startup draft we're doing. It's the last one we're doing this off season. It's been absolutely pure chaos. And instead of talking about our teams or, our, or the trades we've made, we're going to discuss where the players have gone, where the soft points in drafts are right now, And what we would suggest doing, if you are in one of those soft points, so that you can maneuver your way through the draft and make the best moves possible. So before we get started, how are you doing, Mike?
1: Hey, I'm doing pretty good. Everything's been a little bit crazy with this startup draft. Uh, a lot of trades, some of them a little bit slanted. Uh, some a of, little bit, yeah, a little bit. Um, but as you mentioned, I think uh, uh, from the sake of addressing our listeners, it's probably best to just talk about uh, where some of the positional runs came in, where we thought a lot of good value <laughs> was.
0: There's not much you can take away. I mean, there's just been some bonkers trades. Um, you know, when you when you find people from the Twitterverse to, to come into these leagues, you never know what you're going to get. And uh, this has been an interesting league, to say the least. But overall, the draft board has been pretty good. I think that the league's doing a good job of taking players in relatively good spots. Um, so I think it, it gives us a lot of insight on, I guess, flex points in the draft
1: yeah, and obviously a lot of things can happen when you make trades and whatnot. But what stood out the most to me is that in a third round reversal, especially if you if you're drafting with one of the first few picks, um, at least the way that it shook out right now, there's no reason that you can't put together a powerhouse team for year one. So um, how you typically look at it is, you know, Mahomes, Allen, and Herbert are going to go top three. And then as you get to the end of the second, beginning of the third, maybe a guy like Russell Wilson falls to you, maybe a guy like Jalen Hurts falls to you. Um, if not, you, you often have your choice of kind of the older wide receivers like Cooper Cup, Devontae Adams, Stephon Diggs, or the older running backs like Austin Eckler, Christian McCaffrey, and Joe Mixon. And, and we'll go, go by a little bit uh, slower to talk about where they went in this specific draft, but. In general, the way that I look at that is if you have an early spot in the draft and you're not looking to make a lot of trades, you should be looking to get a start such as, you know, uh, Justin Herbert, uh, Justin Herbert, Christian McCaffrey, and Devontae Adams as your first three and really just go for it out of gates.
0: Yeah, I mean that's an interesting interesting perspective. I, I really do not like taking Christian McCaffrey in the second round just because of his age and recent injury history. But there's not a better running back in the league, at least that we can say right now, but, uh, you know, you got to steal with him at 3-1. I, I personally like going a little bit younger to start. I like getting a, a young running back like Javante Williams or DeAndre Swift, Jonathan Taylor if you're in the 1.6 to 1.8 range. Um, but, yeah, I think you can't really deviate much from the top three, the Mahomes, Allen, Herbert. For me, I would go... Uh, Mahomes, Allen, Herbert, Jackson, Murray. Those five quarterbacks in some combination with the first five picks. And, and here, we didn't have that. We had Mahomes, Allen, Pitts, and then Herbert. Pitts went all the way up at 1.3. And while I'm not surprised uh, that he went there because I've seen it before, what do you think about that? Pitts all the way up at 1.3 over some of these premier quarterbacks, over Taylor, Jefferson, and Chase.
1: And just to remind everyone, the format is super flex, uh, five point per pass TD, negative two for an interception, it's PPR with a half point tight end premium. I think Pitts going that high above Justin Herbert is insanity. Um, I Hypothetically, like you can make an argument for him over Lamar and Kyler, who are my number four and five overall, but even then I wouldn't do that. Um, I could see taking pits over Taylor, Jefferson, and Chase. It wouldn't be my choice, but he's got more longevity than Taylor, and he plays at a more scarce position where the value of a replacement is more important than Jefferson or Chase. So personally, I wouldn't mind building up around those other two, um, around Jefferson or Chase or Taylor or especially uh, Lamar or Kyler but I do get the Pitts pick and he's sitting right around that tier uh, right around the 109 for me in this format so 103 is a reach but it's not, it's not catastrophic um, I, I do think that it's, it's interesting what happened right after Justin Herbert um, was we saw Lamar Burrow and Kyler who are really the 4-5-6 the in the dynasty uh, consensus right now Um, they didn't go until 108, 109, and 110. So Jonathan Taylor, Justin Jefferson, and Jamar Chase went 5th, 6th, and 7th above those three quarterbacks, including the two Konamis, and that's something I don't understand at all. Um, To me, for one, this highlights why having the ninth pick in the draft is such a good spot to be in, or 10th if you like Burrow, because you're picking earlier in the 2nd and 3rd rounds in the 3rd round reversal, and you get still one of these top tier guys. So if I'm not getting one of the top three, um, I'm totally fine drafting ninth or so, um, but I don't know how Kyler lasted all the way to 10th.
0: Yeah, so I agree with you that, you know, you really have a tier, a top tier of quarterbacks. For me, it's a tier of five, Mahomes, Allen, Herbert Jackson, and uh, and Murray. Um, So it is a little surprising to me that Taylor, Jefferson, and Chase went over those guys, but we've been seeing more and more that Murray has been slipping in drafts. Jackson's sort of been faded all year, a little bit because of the injuries he had last se- uh, all season, um, a little bit because people are disappointed with his development as a passer. Um, I think those those concerns are a little bit overblown, but you know there is reason to worry. He doesn't throw the previous ball. He just lost Marquise Brown, but uh, I would always have Jackson over all position players, and Murray over all position players. So, you know, if you're sitting at uh, at 1.8 to 1.10, you've got to be very happy with that value that you're getting there at quarterback. Yeah, and
1: I think it's so important now that we're, we're six rounds or so into this draft. Um, I think it's easy to see why taking a quarterback is so important. Um, if I'm looking at my rankings, uh, after those top, for me, I agree, it's five quarterbacks and then I have Joe Burrow. Um, sixth, and then Dak and Deshaun after him. Um, basically, all of those guys are gone, maybe not Deshaun, but the top seven through Burrow and Dak are gone in the first. And then Watson, Wilson, Lawrence, Lance, Hertz, Stafford, and sometimes Fields are all gone in the second. So if you want any of the top, really, 13 or 14 quarterbacks in Dynasty, you you have to take them in the first or second round. So taking a guy like, just so just to give a comparison, the guy who took Justin Jefferson um, in his slot in the fifth round went Mac Jones. Meanwhile, you could have instead gotten a different wide. Instead of taking Justin Jefferson and Mac Jones, you could have got Lamar Jackson and you know uh, Terry McLaurin or Deontay Johnson type. I would just much rather go that route. I think that Lamar's. Um, uh, value over a guy like Matt Jones and just his production over a guy there is much more influential than what Justin Jefferson is going to do compared to a Terry McClure.
0: You know, it's all relative. I actually had a, a, an interesting thought uh, thought experiment during this draft in the first round because I traded back from 1.4 when Justin Herbert was on the board to 1.7. and At 1.7, I had my choice of Lamar, Kyler, and I was like you know what I'm gonna go and trade back further see see what happens at at the turn you know I didn't really like the idea of going back to 112 because I I do think that the turn is a weird flex point in this year's draft which we'll talk about in a little bit but the value I got back made it worth it Um, but at 112 I ended up going with Trey Lance and Trey Lance was the uh, let's see eighth quarterback off the board, and he's actually the eighth quarterback in my quarterback rankings. Yep. Um, once I took Trey Lance, I was filled with regret. You know, I, I I love what Trey Lance brings to the table. He's got a cannon of an arm. We all know about his rushing upside, but he really doesn't have a floor when it comes to career longevity. Yes, the 49ers invested a shit ton of draft capital into him. But ultimately, he's played sub D1 level football so far. He's really like not a secure asset. We don't know what we're gonna get in terms of uh, his ability to read defenses at the next level. So I felt very uncomfortable and I wanted to pivot off this pick. I figured, you know, maybe late second, I'd be able to get a quarterback. Uh, that I like, like Russ Wilson or Justin Fields, Matt Stafford, something like that. And, and, and
1: 112, 112 is a very rough spot where you're at. So just to talk about who were the next players taken at every position, well, it was Lance watson Hurts at quarterback, it was Najee Swift-Javante at running back, it was Lamb and then a huge break to Diggs-Waddle at wideout, and it was just Andrews at tight end. So you really don't have any great option. Everyone has some question marks once you get to the 112. Unless
0: if somebody reaches in the first round, it looks like the ter- the first round turn is just the beginning of a very long tier. Um, yep. And so I was caught there. I took Lance, I wanted to pivot off him. My first instinct was, let me try and get the one player I've been trying to get in every league and have failed. And uh, that was Justin Jefferson. And so I was like, what do I have to add here to Trey Lance for Justin Jefferson? People really do value Trey Lance. It shouldn't take too much, maybe maybe a second. And that was turned down. I offered two 24 seconds and that was turned down. It, I was asked for a 23 first and I, I of course didn't do that. I wasn't going to add a 23 first to Trey Lance. and I don't recommend that anybody does do that. Um, so I moved on. Uh, And a little bit later, I ended up trading down from Trey Lance to a guy that I view as an equal caliber asset at a different position in DeAndre Swift. And I picked up a 23 second in the process. So I thought that that was interesting where, you know, it's going to take maybe more than a second to move from Trey Lance to Justin Jefferson. But you can pick up a second by going down to DeAndre Swift. Uh, And to me, there's not a huge difference between the two, Swift and Jefferson.
1: Yeah, and that's a great move, and it's it's good advice for when you start a startup like this. If you're picking between one twelve and, let's say, 2.5, I would either pay to get up or get something to move down as early as possible because you want to do that before the first 11 picks are made and before everyone sees this teardrop. So, for instance, T. Higgins and Debo Samuel went 3.11 and 4.01, while C.D. Lamb went 2.02. I, that's two full rounds difference, and I could argue taking Debo over T. Higgins straight up, and in fact, I Debo or T. Higgins over C. D. Lamb straight up, and in fact, I would. At other positions, yeah, quarterback is a bit more of a drop-off. Stafford goes 3-6, but that's really—and Fields goes 3-8. Um, at running back, you're looking at Najee and Swift versus, like, Saquon and Etienne at the end of the third. So especially taking a wide receiver early in the second— I think is a massive mistake just because that tier is so large, in my opinion. Um, but either way, I think if you're at the 112, you wouldn't have had to pay a 23 first to move up to, let's say, 109 before the draft. But once the draft starts shaking out, everyone sees that, oh, the 109 is either Kyler or Burrow and the 112 is either Lance or, you know, CD Lamb. That's now a big difference. So I, I think getting ahead of this can be advantageous.
0: Yeah, so the first flex point we're identifying is really the the 112 2.1 turn and uh, trying to get probably four picks before or after that um, just so you can jump into the premier position player or the tail end of the premier quarterback range or just slide down to get to the bottom of the tier uh, of that next tier that year you, you would otherwise be starting out there's no reason to pay, uh, not pick up extra value if you can drop down a little bit
1: yeah so th- so that wraps up our first round uh let's move on into the second round i know we've already talked about a few of the selections but to me there's a similar tier break late in this round so let let's get to that in a second um first pick of this round was mark andrews at the 201 then cd lamb deshaun watson Najee harris deandre swift and jalen hurts went 206 uh anything stand out to you about those six picks
0: yes um first of all I see Najee Harris go in the early second uh, all the time. Apart from that, all of these other picks, they could be late seconds, uh, they could be early seconds. I feel like really wherever in the second round, these players are just categorized as second rounders, you know? Najee Harris stands out as the solid pick there that you're getting at draft value. Now, I don't have Najee Harris as my RB2. I don't have him as my RB3. I don't have him as my RB4. Actually, I don't even have him as my RB5. So I don't like the pick, but in terms of a value perspective, where he was taking in the draft, that one makes sense. The one that doesn't make sense to me is Jalen Hurts. Now, he's been going in the second round in a lot of drafts. I just don't like it. He hasn't been a good passer, he's been barely over 50% completion percentage. I understand he's had a terrible offensive line. I understand sirianni has been probably the worst coach in the nfl last year um i i also understand that he just got aj brown to pair with Devonta smith and he's he's got dallas goddard there and miles sanders a good pass catching running back he's got the weapons but is jalen hurts secure moving forward i'm not sure now i think he's going to have a job as a starting quarterback in the nfl i don't know if it's going to be with the eagles and i can't tell you for certain that he will so investing second-round pick and a quarterback that may not have a job as a starter next season it's too rich for my blood
1: yeah and that that makes complete sense I think that people there is a certain amount of upside to Jalen Hurts so when comparing him to guys like let's say Russell Wilson and Matthew Stafford um, I think they're all projected similarly in terms of redraft this year so for production for 2022 and let's say 2023 let's call it a wash after that I would argue that Russ and Stafford are more likely to be a starter in 24, 25, 26, etc., cetera, than Jalen Hurts, despite the fact that Jalen Hurts is younger. However, we've seen with Aaron Rodgers' value over these last few years that from a value perspective, Russell Wilson and Matthew Stafford will never be taken in the first round again in their careers. They're just too old. While if Hurts, let's say, leads the Eagles to an 11-7 season, gets an extension, gets locked in as the long-term guy, all of a sudden he might be going at 110 where Burrow is going, which doesn't sound a whole lot earlier, but we talked about that's a massive jump in terms of that tier break. So I do get the argument that Hertz does have more upside, but you're completely right. When comparing him to a guy like Russ and Stafford, his floor in terms of both short and long-term is way lower I mean there's a scenario I think Hertz is a good player but there's a scenario where he's not a starter anywhere next year there's a scenario where he gets benched this year he almost got benched last year it's it's the really ceiling uh, floor outcome but it's possible so I agree as much as I want to take a quarterback in that 2-6 range I would just try like hell to move back because I don't like any of these picks like I like Mark Andrews at 2-1 I like Watson at 2-3 Swift at 2-5 is fine but I look at Swift at 2-5 versus someone like Saquon at 3-7 or McCaffrey at 3-1, and if I can get anything for that, I'm just going to keep scooting back if possible. Of course, it's easier said than done, and a lot of people don't think or won't give you a lot of value for that, but that's at least the way that I would play really the first half of the second round.
0: That's that's interesting because uh, I'm, a, I'm a little surprised by your DeAndre Swift take when paired with your tendency to fade old running backs. And I know you have concerns about Saquon. You've been warming up to the idea that Saquon's with Dabble right now and in the new, new, uh, new look Giants offense. So I appreciate that you're warming on Saquon. And you know, Christian McCaffrey in the third is an absolute smash pick. However, that's only a half round difference. You're talking about DeAndre Swift, who is an awesome, awesome prospect who should be increasing in workload. And even without that workload, and with a lot of his goal line touches getting nerfed last season by Jamal Williams, he was still a top 10 PPR running back. So I think we should expect a lot from DeAndre Swift moving forward. And given the age difference, I'm surprised that you would rather trade back from a mid-second to an early third to get older and not a lot better. but so I, I,
1: I guess I would disagree quickly on the not a lot better. McCaffrey to Swift, like Swift's ninety nine. no one has been McCaffrey since Ladanian Tomlinson. Like he is just a different level of player. And I understand that he's older, but like I could see that argument for Eckler, right? And in a lot of drafts, Eckler goes at 302. I could see DeAndre Swift having an Eckler type season and then moving back half around, picking up something marginal was probably a mistake. However, CMC, I think, is a little bit different. So I, I would just like to make that slight. Uh, um,
0: fair enough. and Fair enough. And I think it's pretty rare right now to see McCaffrey go into the it third is. round. It is. I think he's mostly a second round, uh, a late second round pick. And I don't think you're saying that you would take McCaffrey over Swift straight up, would you?
1: Uh, they're in the same tier for me. Um, they're at three and four. Right now, McCaffrey is above Swift. But, you oh, know, really? They're they're in the same tier, so it really depends on the team.
0: Interesting. Yeah. All right, so why don't we move on into uh, the late second round, um, where we had Javante Williams, Brees Hall, Russ Wilson, Trevor Lawrence, Stephon Diggs, and Jalen Waddle. Um, anything stand out there to you?
1: Um, You know, Russ and Lawrence are always going to go off here. These are uh, your 11th and 12th quarterbacks off the board, so these are your QB1s in Dynasty. I-, I think it's the right place for Russ. Lawrence, I'm still a little unsure on, but I see the upside, so I, I-, I can't hate the pick here. Remember, most of these guys uh, got quarterbacks in the first round, so some of them are getting their second quarterback. Um, I thought that the Javante and Brees Hall picks, you know, this is where they're going to go. Like, Harris, Swift, Javante, Hall, and McCaffrey, I think they should all be second-round second round picks. The order you take them, there are arguments for, for different reasons. Like, I have Javante so far above Hall, it's not even close, but I totally get, get what the point is of taking Brees Hall there. As we talked about in the last few pods, there's a real um, hole in terms of young running backs at the top of the RB rankings. Uh, the pick that stood out for me here that was just an absolute dog shit pick uh, was Stephon Diggs. What the hell are you doing? Like, if you're gonna take a 29 year old wide receiver, just take Cooper Cup. Just take Devonte Adams. Like, or if you have digs above them, which having digs above Cup makes no sense. Having digs above Adams doesn't make sense to me, but it's a little bit closer. Why are you doing it now? Debo Samuel went 401. DJ Moore went 404. Right? Like T. Higgins went 311. Cooper Cup and Adams didn't go for another six picks. Like, I would never want to take. The third or fourth running, sorry, third or fourth wide receiver off the board. In this case, Diggs was the fourth, and if you're going to take that one, it better be Cooper Cup or another guy who you just love and need to have. And I don't see what Diggs gives you that you can't get later on in the draft.
0: All right. Well, we have a, maybe a slight difference on on Diggs' pick, um, but I actually agree with most of what you're saying. The two picks i like here are javante at 27 and waddle at 212. um javante williams is my rb3 behind jonathan taylor and deandre swift i i I don't care where you take him in the second round if it's 2.1 212 i'm happy with getting javante williams in the second round Uh, here at 27 pretty good he
1: by the way is my 112 overall javante
0: Nice, nice. So you really love this at, at I guess, this would be pick 19. 2-7,
1: yeah, and, and that's why at, at pick 12, I would move back to pick, you know, 16 or 17 or 18 or 19 because one of Swift or Javante or CMC would be there.
0: Now, my, in terms of wide receiver rankings, I flip flop between having Lamb and Waddle as my 3 and 4. So I'd gladly take Waddle two twelve over Lamb at 2-2 if I was able to trade back from 2-2 to 2-12. Um, But either way, getting Waddle as the fifth wide receiver off the board, that's a plus for me. I don't really see him going to the third that often. I have seen him early third. think he's a smash there. If he's at the end of the third, you really have to hammer that button and get him on your team. Um, But I think late two, early three is where we see him go. I like the value there. He has tremendous upside. He's got a great situation, great quarterback. So we're good there. Uh, my pick here was Russ Wilson at 2.9 and you know, I actually on our last podcast We talked about how I have Justin Fields over Russ Wilson and um, This was interesting because I took Russ over Fields and the reason behind this was I Didn't like the value of the market value of fields in the second round And I knew Russ in the second round was on par with market the other reason was once I pivoted off Lance to get Swift Russ Wilson, I've used Swift as a now asset. You know, I I do think he's a top 10 running back this year uh, safely. Um, So I wanted to pair him with a win now quarterback. And that's why I took Russ there. Um, So this is just something I want to slip in there. You don't always have to go based on your board. If you have a tier and you're building a certain type of team, it's okay to deviate a little bit. As long as you're within reasonable, uh, reasonability, go for it. That's what I did here. Um, For me, the pick that stands out as the pick I hate is Trevor Lawrence. I do not think Trevor Lawrence is ever going to be a dynamic quarterback one in this league. Uh, I mean, sure, maybe if he turns everything around, great, but you know, he's got a bad offensive line. His weapons are not good. Uh, He's got a rookie head coach and he had a pathetic rookie year. So. We need a lot to change for Trevor Lawrence to for him to even be good, let alone be a second round pick in a startup draft. He's right now living off his prospect pedigree, which I think was very overrated to begin with. So I fade that pick hard. I much rather take Mac Jones in the fifth. I much rather take Tua Tagovailoa. <laughs> Nungavailoa in the, in the fourth, fifth, or sixth. You know, like, these are just picks I'd I much rather have. I don't really have much of a difference between Lawrence, Wilson, and Mac. And if you're getting Mac and, and Wilson in the late fifth, I'm doing that all day. Uh, where I see the difference with Diggs, um, Diggs is a phenomenal receiver. He's coming off a little bit of a down year. But some people absolutely love the fact that he's tied to Josh Allen. And there's no other receiver in Buffalo that really comes close to his skill level. Uh, so there's so much upside for Diggs if he plays up to his ability. Uh, that I, 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 I don't know. I think he's an underrated receiver because he's generally underperformed. But at his age, I agree with you. This is too early for Diggs. But I don't hate it like you do because I think we view Diggs as a player differently. Yeah,
1: and I think Diggs is a very good player. Like he's. He's probably a top five receiver in the league for me, I would say, in terms of real life. I have him 10 in the dynasty rankings. I just think when you have Cooper Cup sitting there, who's the same age, and just put up a legendary season, even if you think he might not replicate that, you know, he had 10 more points a game than Diggs last year. There's a lot of room for Cup to get worse and a lot of room for Diggs to get better and Cup to still smash him. So, and if you want to go younger, which I would also recommend, Debo Samuel had five points more than Stefan Diggs last year. T. Higgins had two points less. Jalen Waddell had one point less. You know, there are other options out there that I would have gone with. But moving on to the the third round, um, a lot of veterans here. And I think that that... Uh, they're not always going to go in the third. I think some of these guys often go in the second. But it just talks to how, um, how wide this tier is. And really up until pick you know, 37, uh, no, sorry, not 37, maybe like 32, so the 308 or so, um, is going to have a lot of value. So kicking it off at 301, I actually made my first pick of the draft was Christian McCaffrey. Um, then it went Cooper Cup. Devonte Adams, Joe Mixon, A.J. Brown, and Matthew Stafford. So, with McCaffrey, Cup, Adams, and Stafford and Mixon, those are guys who you know are at their prime or past it. Probably only have maybe three to four peak seasons left, but all of them have finished in the top ten numerous times in the past, and you can expect them to do it in the future. Um, I think it's good value where you're at uh, in terms of those picks. I personally would rather take other guys like Austin Eckler and Saquon Barkley above Joe Mixon, um, but I do understand the pick, um, and A.J. Brown there I think is awesome value um, in terms of being the 1-2-5's eighth wide receiver off the board. But what I want to talk about that stands out to me is the value of Matthew Stafford, um, who I didn't initially select, but now he's on my team via trade. Matthew Stafford is the last quarterback who you can reasonably say is going to play for another five years and should finish in the top eight this year. He's finished in the top eight uh, seven times in his career. He's only 34 years old. The way he plays, he can easily play another half decade. And he's really the last guy if you want to have a contending team and you don't want to go super old like Rodgers or Brady where you could be left uh, kind of holding a bag of chips at the end of the year. Uh, he's kind of the, really the last guy that you can take and feel confident about. There's an argument for Derek Carr later on, but Carr's just never shown that top eight potential that Stafford has. Um, so it, it's an interesting spot and a, a good spot to target a guy like Stafford if you are going to win now route.
0: Yeah, um, I can't say I agree on Matt Stafford. Uh, it's interesting. Matt Stafford uh, just had the best career, uh, season of his career, um, and we all expected a lot from him getting paired with uh, Sean McVay. Um, and he's he's got the same weapons. He's got Cooper Cup. He's got Allen Robinson there now. For me, he just screams self. I mean. Th- Say what you will about Matt Stafford, like he's a good quarterback that's not great. Like he has a cannon of an arm and when he has weapons around him, they'll come down with it, he'll put up numbers, but his overall play is very inconsistent. And I I, I tend to fade players like that this early in the draft, especially when they're in their mid thirties. Uh, so Matt Stafford for me, it's like you're, he's never gonna increase in value. He's never going to be a top end premium quarterback. And yet we're treating him like he is, and I don't know. For me, it's like if Matt Stafford was going in the fourth, yes, that's a good pick. In the third, that's too early for me. Um, that being said, the third round for me is like very strange and uncomfortable, and it's very, <laughs> it's it's very draft dependent. So like in the in this draft, we had some veterans like Cut McCaffrey uh, fall to the thir- beginning of the third round and it's rare we see those players break out of the second. And so having an early third here is really a great thing. Uh, You can even say that about Adams. Um, Then you have a series of players that I like in the third round, like Justin Fields, DK Metcalf, and AJ Brown, Saquon Barkley. And those players are almost always third round picks these days. But where they go, it's, it's completely random. Um, sometimes they could be bunched up in the beginning. Sometimes they might all be towards the end of the third round because someone's jumping up to take a Drake London or a Debo Samuel, or or you might have a surprise pick. You know, Travis Etienne went in the third in this in this league. So I think it, it a safe place to be if you want to play the value game is the mid to uh, mid third to about three quarters of the way through the third. So I'm talking three point seven. To about three ten, and you'll probably be able to get one of Metcalf, AJ Brown, Justin Fields, uh, one of those guys, uh, yeah, Saquon Barkley,
1: a hundred percent. And that's what I was saying earlier, where there's you know thirty-two to thirty-four players at a tier, and you know there's always going to be a few surprise picks. So maybe you move it, move people up or down a little bit. But as we turn to the end of the third round. Um, there is going to be a huge gap between the people who go at the end of the third and the people who go at the beginning of the fourth. So just keep that in mind as we talk about some of these end-of-third-round picks, or, or maybe it makes sense to talk about that tier in general. But to, to round out the third round, we've Saquon Barkley going to Jacob at 3.07, then Justin Fields, then DK Metcalf, Travis Etienne, T. Higgins, and Austin Eckler. And I'm going to throw in Debo Samuel there at the four hundred one. Um To me, that's kind of the end of that tier, Um, and all of those guys, everyone who's been drafted, those first 37 players, are either young enough to potentially be superstars or currently performing at a superstar level. Now, there's some players who fall into that range later in the draft, but from a value perspective, to me, this is where the big cutoff occurs, after guys like Eckler, Debo, and Higgins, and DK Metcalf go. You're looking at a pretty big drop-off at running back, your next guys, you're looking at the older guys like Dalvin Cook, Alvin Kamara, Nick Chubb, or the younger guys like Cam Akers and J.K. Dobbins who have major health question marks. And wide receiver, to me, the cliff has already happened after Debo Samuel, where you're looking at Drake London and DJ Moore or Michael Pittman, guys like that. Um, and at tight end, you still got Kelsey there, but he's kind of a very specific build. And quarterback is just a massive drop-off. After Stafford and Fields, you're really just waiting on guys like Rogers, Carr, and Tua. So I think these first 37 picks, and some drafts will be 35, some drafts will be 39, but to me, this is where the drop-off has really occurred.
0: So uh, I see you're actually on the clock here. Um, do you yeah. want to make your pick live?
1: Um, I have a few offers that I want to give the respect of responding, so I'm, I'm probably going to wait until after the podcast to make the pick. I, I can tell you live, though, I'm, actually no, you've 703 and I've 704, so I can't tell you shit about who I'm debating. Um, I will, uh, you'll see soon.
0: Okay. Well, um, to finish up our discussion on the third round, then, um, I just want to ask you a few questions. Uh, who do you think were the best two picks in this round? Sir.
1: In terms of value? In
0: terms of value.
1: I love the T. Higgins pick at 311. Um, T. Higgins, to me, I mean, I have him over CeeDee Lamb, who went 2-2. I have him as my wide receiver six. I have him above Jalen Waddell, above DK Metcalf, above Stephon Diggs, above Devontae Adams. I I just really like the pick of T. Higgins there. Um, He's kind of my last of that tier, so it's a great pick. I'm going to ignore the Christian McCaffrey pick because, you know, I made it, and it, it was pretty lucky it fell that deep, but... To me, the other two that stand out in this round are AJ Brown at 305 um, as the wide receiver eight. He's my wide receiver three, so I'm a big fan of that pick. By the way, there's a lot of drafts that you might be able to stack Jalen Hurts and AJ Brown. Almost happened in this one. That's not a bad idea. And then I really liked your Saquon Barkley pick at 307. Um, he's the last guy who is, you know, 25 or younger who's shown that top tier potential. Um, To go, you know, he was the latest one to go out of all those guys. Austin Eckler went a little bit later uh, to myself, but he's, you know, a little bit older and uh, doesn't have the rushing upside of Saquon despite having all those touchdowns last year. So I I, I think those would be my standout picks from the round.
0: What about any bad picks? Any picks you think are are like, what are you doing here?
1: Yeah, okay, let's talk about the Travis Etienne sized elephant in the room. Thank Um, you, sir. What the hell are you doing in the third round, Travis Etienne? Like, I'm aware, we've talked about the whole at running back of young running backs at the top of the draft, but I'm sitting right here with Antonio Gibson and AJ Dillon at the top of my running back ranks. At 701, and they're in the same tier for me as Travis Etienne. So I, I don't understand the pick of 310. Um, I wouldn't have gone running back there if you are go a guy like Austin Eckler. But there were guys like Devo Samuel and T Higgins on the board. You could go older with Travis Kelsey. You could take a young stud wideout in Drake London if you really want to go younger than T Higgins. Travis Etienne is a player who was a really highly touted prospect who had his flaws. Then he had a devastating injury. Now he's coming into an offense that we haven't seen as anything other than a mess in basically a decade. There isn't a whole lot of competition right now, but James Robinson is just as injured as Travis Etienne is. I know Etienne's a little bit farther ahead because he got injured first, but... People are cashing in ETN as the next DeAndre Swift, the next Austin Eckler, Christian McCaffrey. He just hasn't proven it yet. We don't know if he can run the ball. We know he can catch the ball, but we don't know if he can create a whole lot after the catch given his lack of lateral agility. Um, He's not a good pass blocker. I actually like him as a player more than you do, Jacob, and to me, you know, I have a large running back tier from RB10 all the way to RB17. He sits at the top of that tier for me uh at rb11 but i still wouldn't touch him in a draft at 310. i would just take the bottom of that tier antonio gibson my rb15 is still there
0: i think it's an absolutely bonkers pick um yeah if, if travis etienne played last year and had a thousand plus yards all right then you know we've seen a little bit from him he has upside now we can believe in this we're talking about a very questionable prospect behind a terrible offensive line on a bad offense coming off a major foot injury, and and people want to say oh list frank it's not like the worst type of list frank he could have possibly on it's a very major injury, and this is a player that has red flags around his lateral agility if you think that a big foot injury is not going to be a significant problem for a player that has problems changing direction i don't know what to tell you but 310 if he hits his upside, that's what he's worth. This, I Even when you talk to his biggest believers, they call him Camara light. Well, if he's Kamara light, he's not Camara, so he's not going to be a first round pick. So what's your ultimate upside making this pick? For me, this is just too much risk, not a realistic outcome uh, in, from a value perspective. Just like, I, I just don't understand it. And in terms of him as a pass catcher, let's clarify. At, Clemson. He caught a lot of balls. Not a lot of those were on real routes. And in the NFL, he's going to have to make people miss at the first level in space. And that's going to be a lot harder to do. And if he doesn't improve in terms of his short space change of direction, he's not going to do that very well in the NFL. So we'll see if he's ultimately a pass catcher. I think people are saying that it's a lock. It's far from a lock. He has a lot to prove.
1: Yeah, and I, I actually do think he, he showed really good pass-catching skills down the field for a college player, and I think he'll do it in the pros. But as you said, people are saying like it's locked in. You compare him to a guy like Cam Akers um, or J.K. Dobbins, who you know have flashed some really high-level uh, skills in the NFL, are basically the same age, and have basically the same injury history. I just don't get taking Travis Etienne. And at this range of the draft, unless you're getting Eckler or Saquon, I would really just wait. Um, to be clear, so I do think,
0: you have JK Dobbins and Cam Akers over Travis Etienne?
1: I have J.K. I have ETN 10th, Dobbins 11th, and Akers 14th, but they're all in the same tier. So I would, to be clear, I would not take any of them in a startup unless the other ones were off the board. Um, I, sh- I probably should have prefaced this. Uh, I, the way that I do startups is I, I only essentially make a pick if it's someone if it's the only player left in a tier. Um, otherwise, I'm gonna do my damnedest to trade back and you know even if I take not the best value deal, I'm gonna do what it takes to trade back. Um, so right. I would never take a guy like Etn when Dobbins, Walker, Akers, Gibson are all on the board. I would just move back half around even if it's only to pick up a small value and just wait for the last one.
0: I completely agree with that, and just to share with you my thoughts on, on those players, I have J.K. Dobbins up at nine, so only two spots higher than you, and I have Cam Akers on that same tier at 11. Stan, they, those two players sandwich Kenneth Walker for me. Um, all the way down at 18 is Travis Etienne, and he's on a wow. tier with Antonio Gibson, James Cook, Derrick Henry, David Montgomery, Zeke, A.J. Dillon, Aaron Jones, and Elijah Mitchell. That's what I and, think. And to give
1: you an idea of those players that he's on a tier with, um, only Aaron Jones, who went 609, and Derrick Henry, who went 607, have even gone in the draft. So obviously, you're lower on Etienne than the person who made this pick, but uh, he could have been there a lot later. And if he wasn't a comfortable player, he might have been. Now, so I think it's time. Sorry, go ahead.
0: Where would you say is an acceptable place to take Travis Etienne?
1: Again, I think it depends who's gone off the board, but I I think if you're looking at the mid-fourth, I would say that if you're really high on him, I'd be comfortable taking him in the mid-fourth, but I'm not taking him above. Okay, let's ignore running backs right now. I am not taking him above no matter what. Debo Samuel, Drake London, DJ Moore, Tua Tagovailoa, Travis Kelsey, or George Kittle. I just named, I think, seven guys who all went in the fourth round of this draft, and remember Travis Etienne went three tens. So if all those guys haven't gone, do not take Travis Etienne would be my recommendation, basically no matter what other running backs are available.
0: Well, we certainly had quite the fourth round. Uh, There was a lot of value to be had. I do feel like the fourth round is a juicy area of drafts. It also is a round where you might see some questionable picks. It's it's some people do not like the older vets that fall and some people are going to reach up to get their guy. Alternatively, some people are going to really get away with a steal because people have jumped up in the third to get their guy in that round. So um, to start it off, we'll start with the first six picks, which all of them I think are pretty, pretty interesting picks. There's one. A uh, little quizzical thing I want to ask you about, but let's go through them. There's Devo Samuel at four-one, uh, Cam Akers, then Drake London, DJ Moore after that, Travis Kelsey, and then Dalvin Cook.
1: By the way, how funny is it that Drake London and DJ Moore went back to back after we had that argument over them last uh, last podcast?
0: I think it's 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 hilarious, but I do think that that's going to be the debate this season. I, I think yeah. it's going to. I think that if. Drake London struggles and DJ Moore takes off with even a slight upgrade at quarterback, that is going to change the way the Dynasty community views these types of situations moving forward. We've been gifted with brilliant performances from rookie players right out of the gate at the receiver position for the past couple years. I don't know how sustainable that is, and Drake London is a guy who, you know, he's he's probably number 1 on his depth he is number 1 on the wide receiver depth chart uh but he's got Mariota and Ritter there throwing him the ball uh questionable offensive line but protecting those quarterbacks we'll see how he does i don't i think it's realistic that he gets 800 to 1000 yards and and to me that's a successful rookie campaign yeah
1: me too but
0: that would disappoint someone who drafted him at
1: 4.3 yeah no that's totally fair um to me the other things that stood out about this round I love the, I, I took Debo Samuel at 4.01, but I was pretty shocked to see him there. To me, that's similar to McCaffrey at 3.01. Like, just, he's only 25. I know he has injury issues, but the value that you're getting 26. is pretty great. 26, apologies. Um... The Cam Akers pick at 402, I basically have the same thoughts as the Travis Etienne pick. I don't want to be taking one of the first running backs in this tier. Um, Akers, we've talked about in the past, like he has his issues. There's a lot of red flags here, and I would much rather take either a guy like Drake London or DJ Moore, who has who has a ton of upside um, and have a lot of green flags, or a guy like Travis Kelsey, who can just straight up win you the league. Uh, Travis Kelsey was your pick at 405 I know you're historically I don't know if I've ever seen you have Travis Kelsey on any of your rosters so I honestly respect that you made this move um, I originally had pick four, uh, pick 408 I ended up getting George Kittle there which we'll get to in a second I, I was kind of hoping Kelsey might fall to me but why did you end up going Kelsey there which is against your kind of usual build
0: Well first, before I talk about Kelsey um, I do want to say something about Cam Akers because I do want to defend this pick. Um, now I wouldn't make this pick because I don't have the views that I'm about to to give on yeah. Akers. After you get to after you get through Eckler and before you hit the Cook, Chubb, Camara, Henry tier, you might not want to have an old running back. And there's only one or two young running backs left that are strong contenders for workhorse role that will also produce this year, and that's J.K. Dobbins and Josh Jacobs. You know, those two running backs have workhorse potential. They're young, and um,
1: that's true. No, that I, that's a good point. I I didn't think of it that way. If you if you want to group the running backs into groups of like guys who won't perform this year but are really young. Kenneth Walker is really the only guy in this range. Young guys who have question marks but may perform. Akers and Dobbins are kind of the next two guys. So you're right. I I slated the... I didn't mean to slate the Akers pick. I definitely understand it. To me, I would just rather go older, but I, I get it if you want to stay young.
0: And unlike Dobbins, Akers at least came back last year. Yes, he had an Achilles injury and he wasn't the most efficient player when he came back, but he looked pretty explosive at times and I, I saw enough from him where I'm comfortable thinking he is going to return to form. Um, and, and he really does have an ability on the Rams offense to be a dynamic workhorse both in the pass game and rush game if he, if he lives up to his potential. Whether he ultimately improves as a player, becomes more efficient. Um, develops as a pass catcher, we'll see, but I, I'm okay with taking Akers in the fourth if you believe in him and if you're looking to have a younger build, and, and for this team it's kind of a mixed bag. He has Josh Allen, Stephon Diggs, T. Higgins, Cam Akers, Marquise Brown, Kirk Cousins, so with that type of build, I actually I don't mind the thing. But, um, and,
1: and one thing that I'll say that is very important for Cam Akers, a lot of people worried about you know Daryl Henderson and they gave Sony Michelle a lot of work last year, to me, the Rams usage at running back last year was the best thing for Akers' dynasty outlook. I'm taking this from uh, uh, Adam Koffler, a good Twitter follower. Uh, sorry, good Twitter follow. Um, 13 of the 16 weeks last year, the top running back on the Rams had at least 70% of the snaps. That means that when someone's, and they switched off between uh, Henderson, Akers, and Michelle as that top guy, depending on health, but. When the top guy is healthy, they're going to get a lot of work. We saw that from Sean McVay throughout the Todd Gurley era, and he proved it last year even with Henderson and Michelle, who are not very good running backs, he's going to give them the ball. So you're right. Akers is young. He has that workhorse potential. Um, I'm changing my mind on this. That, that's a totally valid pick at
0: 4.02. Yeah. Uh, so going over to Kelsey at 4.5, um, it, it was an interesting pick because... I really wanted to get DJ Moore. He was kind of a must-have at four point four for me. I I think there's a tremendous tier break between him and the following receivers. Uh, I love DJ Moore. He's a top seven wide receiver for me. I think if he went one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, he went 14. 11, 11, fourteen. So I got a top seven wide receiver in my book at wide receiver fourteen. I like that. Um, and I had the next pick through through a trade. Da- uh, I believe I actually had 4.8 or 4.9 and I traded up to 4.5. I was only gonna take DJ Moore if I could lock in Kelsey and that's because I was building a win now team. There's probably not a better win now player this year than Travis Kelsey because of the value you can get him at. You can get him in the fourth round and his situation. He's already been just incredible with Tyreek Hill leading the way. He is going to be force fed the ball in kansas city this year sky Moore is not going to be some dynamic guy that steals targets from travis kelsey this year maybe in the future he'll develop into a wide receiver one but this year not not gonna hurt travis kelsey juju smith schuster okay where's he been for the past couple of years are we really worried about Marquise Valdez? skin like who do who does kansas city gonna have to throw to and it's patrick mahomes Like there's going to be 5,000 yards divvied up somehow and is Travis Kelsey not going to get a lion's share of that? I mean like, he's going, for me this is, he potentially could have a historic tight end year and then if he doesn't, he's still going to be probably a top three tight end, probably a top two. I I think he's a safe bet for tight end number one.
1: Yeah, me too. I mean, He was tight end one five years in a row last year. Andrews took a big step up and Kelsey took a little step back. A lot of that was due to the fact that uh, Tyree Kill was running a lot shorter routes um, and took away a lot of targets from Travis Kelsey in the short and intermediate area of the field. But I think Kelsey at four or five was a great pick. Um, moving on, I, I, one other thing I just want to mention is Dalvin Cook at 4.06. Uh, it's not a bad pick. I mean, he's put up numbers similar to guys like Austin Eckler, Joe Mixon, uh, and even Saquon Barkley, who went in the third round. Of course, he does have uh, kind of larger injury issues than than those guys, but for someone who's going in the middle of the fourth round, kind of similar to Travis Kelsey, not quite as reliable, but I don't mind Dalvin Cook there. The only issue with taking Dalvin Cook there, and to be clear, I wouldn't do it, is that guys like Aaron Jones and Derrick Henry end up going in the sixth round. So when you take Dalvin Cook there, you're taking an old player who should perform highly but who has some concerns, I think I would just rather take a guy like Kamara, Jones, or Henry later on in the draft. Again, if you want to put those in a tier of kind of like four older high producers, I would just never want to take the first one.
0: Okay. Well, moving uh, on so into mov-
1: the... Yeah, moving on into the second half of the fourth round, um, we got J.K. Dobbins at four oh seven, followed by George Kittle. Finally, we have some quarterbacks going with Rodgers and Tua, and then Michael Pittman and Trelon Burks to round out the fourth round? What are your takeaways here?
0: Um, You know, I struggle with this. I struggle with all of these picks, including the Tua pick. I, uh, out of all these picks, the two that I think are the best picks are Dobbins and Tua, followed by the Kittle pick. I really don't like Rodgers, Pittman, or Burks in the fourth, and here's why. Rodgers is probably gonna be very good this year, even though he has no weapons, and the fact that he has no weapons should be a concern for you. But the big issue is that he might not play next year. So you might have to fill that quarterback slot next year, and you'll have, you know, the fourth round, there's a lot of good players. I, I just, I, I don't like one-year assets this early. Even if he's there for two years, fourth round pick's too early for that for me. Um, I think he should be going... Around where Tom Brady goes, frankly. Uh, and that's much later in the draft. If I can get Tom Brady in the ninth round, I'd rather that over Rodgers in the fourth. Um, and,
1: and, and so you say you don't like a lot, of, and by the way, I agree with what they're saying on Rodgers. You say you don't like a lot of these picks, and I, I understand that. And I think there's maybe two or three specific guys who go in the fifth who I know you would take in the fourth. But in general, do you think that these picks you don't like because there's a teardrop off, or because people made the wrong choices?
0: Um, I think that people took players early. Like for example, Mike Pittman. It's reasonable to have him as wide receiver fifteen to twenty five. Um, but at four eleven, there's better options on the on the board. Uh, I feel like you're you're paying. Uh, for him as if he should be at the top. I feel like you're paying for a ceiling price, essentially. Like, this is what I feel about him. And it's unlikely my league mates do. And I have a lot of risk with that pick rather than not a lot of upside, you know. Mike Pittman being a top 10 receiver is unlikely, always. Uh, Traylon Burks, you know, phenomenal prospect. But he's a guy I would look to in the sixth round when I'm targeting guys like Rashad Bateman, Devonta Smith, javante uh jameson williams garrett wilson marcus Brown. like that's the type of guys who should be going around um so the two wide receivers i just thought were a little bit early maybe by around and and,
1: and and i totally agree with you and i think that this is similar to what we saw with the uh large tier from you know 112 to 308 i think this is a similar range particularly a wide receiver so let me tell you in order my wide receiver 15 through 27. I'll go fast here. It's Tyreek, Traylon, Burks, Devonta Smith, Elijah Moore, Garrett Wilson, Sky Moore, Deontay Johnson, Michael Pittman, Terry McLaurin, Chris Olave, Rashad Bateman, Chris Godwin, Marquise Brown, Jameson Williams. Half of those guys still haven't gone and it's the seventh round. I had Michael Pittman at 21 in the middle of that group. Even if you have him early in the group, there is no rationale to take him three plus rounds before uh, you know, uh, Chris Alave or Chris Godwin or Jamison Williams, right? It's just, he's just not that level of player. So I would not take a wide receiver. Um, I would not take the 15th wide receiver off the board, basically, unless if it was one of the guys who slipped. Right. I would always want to take the 21st, 24th, and 25th, because you're going to get better value there.
0: Yep. Uh, which, for- is
1: why, which is why, by the way, I think guys like Rodgers and Tua got pushed up the board, because if I was picking around there, I would say, okay, do I want to take a running back? I don't really need to take a guy like Walker or Camara. We just talked about wide receiver being, you know, pretty pretty flat. Uh, George Kittle just went at tight end, so a tight end's not going to go for another two rounds. So I get reaching on. Uh, a quarterback, and I get why it's too, uh I would take Carr over Rodgers. I would take Matt Jones over Rodgers. So mm-hmm. I agree that that was a bad pick. But I think that a late fourth is kind of a weird part of the draft once Kelsey and Kittle went. And it I is. think you should move down if you can.
0: Now to touch on the other picks, I like Dobbins at four seven, but I've seen him more around the four five turn. Um, yeah. But you know, if you're at if if the board shakes out as it has in this one, I really don't. Uh, have any problems with Dobbins at 4-7. George Kittle at 4-8. You know, Kittle's been bumped down quite a bit in draft boards. He was a second-round pick last year, but he's moved down the board because of his injuries, injured season. But if Trey Lance is good, Kittle should pop back up. The one problem I have with this pick is I don't really have a difference between him, Waller, and Hawkinson. And Waller and Hawkinson are six-round picks. So I don't like spending a fourth on Kittle when I can get Waller and Hawkinson two rounds later
1: yeah totally get that I actually uh I have Kittle now I traded up from 6-3 to get him when 6-3 was on the clock I have a large gap between Kittle and Waller and Hawkinson Kittle has been far better in the past he actually has less less new target competition is a good way to say it um we've talked about Lance already but I think Kittle's just a different tier of player so to me I I do think that that gap is worth it but I understand where you're coming from
0: and now the the last pick that we're going to talk about in the fourth was my pick of two at four ten. Um, you know, you did this to me. <laughs> Tua, Tua has an ADP in the fifth, and I wanted to get him at four uh, which was my five uh, nine, which was my next pick. But there there was no way that was going to happen with you having uh, two or three picks between those. Like I I knew you you needed a quarterback. You liked Tua. You were going to take him. It was just not fair. I had to I had to trade up to get him. Um, from my perspective, the fourth round on Tua is good value. Uh, for me, he has top 10 quarterback upside as a pure passer. He's got the best weapons in the game. There's no situation that has better weapons. There's no quarterback in the league that has better weapons than Tua. Um, and ultimately, he's, he's a top five prospect that uh, or a top five pick that would have won the Heisman if Alabama didn't bench his quarterbacks in the fourth quarter every, every freaking game. But uh, I love Tua. Tua in the fourth of things, good value. Ideally, he would have fell to the fifth. And if you're looking for Tua, I wouldn't shy away from taking him in the fourth if quarterbacks ahead of him have gone. And when I say quarterbacks ahead of him, not necessarily in my rankings, but consensus, you want to play the market, you don't want to reach. Um, but usually, you can get him in the fifth, and in the fifth, I think he's an absolute smash break.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Okay, um, I need to do something that'll take, like, 30 seconds, and then we got, like, 15 minutes to go through two rounds, so let's yes. go fast. Okay, cool. Give me, like, two sacks. Yep. Alright, let's do it Alright, so um, Wait, wait, just wait one sec Just so it's a clean cut uh, Ready? Okay, go ahead
0: Yeah, so moving on into the fifth round uh, We start off with Tyreek Hill Alvin Kamara, Ken Walker Derek Carr, Deontay Johnson And Nick Chubb uh, Anything stand out here, Mike?
1: Yeah, I mean, clearly it's Tyreek Hill. A great pick for you, not only to get the stack with Tua, but also just to get the value. I mean, you look at, again, if we're going to tier by age, to me, for him, his contemporaries are Stefan Diggs at 211, Cooper Cup at 3-2, Devontae Adams at 3-3. Um, I would take those guys over Tyreek Hill, but I would not take them over Tyreek Hill by three full rounds or two full rounds. Uh, so great job getting Tyreek there. Otherwise, you know, not a whole lot. Um, I think this went pretty chalk. I think this is about where you're going to find guys like Kamara and Chubb. We talked about Kenneth Walker uh, being at the four five turn. Um, I think that's totally fine value there. I was pretty thrilled to get Derek Carr at five zero four. Um, to me, he and Kirk Cousins are kind of the last guys, kind of like Stafford Light, right? Where they're in their thirties but have a have a long time left to play and are going to be high end QB twos. Um, I actually did a similar uh, thing as you did with Russell Wilson and Justin Fields where uh, you said you have Justin Fields higher but you took Russ in this draft. I have Mac Jones higher but I took Derek Carr in this draft and that was to fit my build. Um, I would have been happy, I had 5'8 at the time as well, I would have been happy to get Mac Jones there. didn't end up happening, but I wanted to secure myself a good a good QB two in Carr. Um, I actually traded for Stafford and drafted Carr basically at the same time to, to wrap up my QB room. Um, otherwise, I thought this was a pretty chalk round. I, I don't have a ton to say about it. Yeah, I just have, half of her this round.
0: I just have two questions for you. The first question was: Were you surprised to see me trade up for Tyree Kale?
1: Um. Had you not gone Kelsey at 4.05, I would have been more surprised. But given that you didn't get Waddle and that you just took Tua and that Tyree Kill at 5.01 is just a screaming value, um, I like it. I mean, for me, Tyree Kill is is ranked right around uh, Drake London and DJ Moore who went 10 picks earlier.
0: My second question for you is on Alvin Kamara. With his looming suspension, some people are saying six games, do you like him in the fifth? Uh, for me... With the suspension tied to his recent injuries, tied to uh, his age, I don't like drafting Kamara. Just flat out don't uh, like drafting him.
1: I don't like Kamara in the fifth either. Um, not when Aaron Jones and Derrick Henry are still on the board. I might rank Kamara ahead of them, but I know guys like Jones and Henry are going to go later. Um, not to mention... Like I would probably just take James Conner or Leonard Fournette in like the 11th round and I don't even yeah, like those I, guys.
0: I agree. I would I would take one of the other olds that cost way less, but Exactly. Kamara, you know, he could be transitioned into a slot receiver later in his career. He could have longevity. He is that mold of a player. So I'm not trying to bash Kamara. I just don't like the uh I don't like the play right here. It's too much uncertainty for me.
1: agreed completely. If there was no legal situation you could make an argument that Kamara in the early fifth is a, is a fine value. But with the legal situation and the decrease in rushing efficiency last year, um, it's just too much, too big of a question mark for me. Um, and, and I'm not sure how long Sean Payton's going to be there. Um, so uh, moving on to the back half of the fifth round, we have Matt Jones going at 507 followed by Terry McLaurin, Josh Jacobs to uh, Jacobian, Zach Wilson, Marquise Brown, and Garrett Wilson. Uh, what are your takeaways here? We got we got two quarterbacks from last year, and we got three uh, more wide receivers coming off the board, sandwiched uh, by uh, your Jacobs back. You know, these
0: are all picks that ultimately are going to be Good picks or bad picks. Uh, it's all <laughs> That was a really
1: intelligent comment, Jacob. Thank you. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's, a lot of, it's a lot of upside plays here. You know, McLaurin has been disappointing for due to no fault of his own. He's just had no quarterbacks. He's a tremendous player, no quarterbacks. He now has Carson Wentz, by far the best quarterback of his career. Mac Jones is a pick I like there. Mid five, I think that's tremendous value. Um, he's gonna have a long career. Best pick of the bunch, in my opinion. Zach Wilson, a lot less uh, safety, a lot less of a floor than Mac Jones, just as much upside if not more upside. So I'm fine with the pick, although I like him around later. Marquise Brown, tied to Kyler now, a better quarterback than Lamar, clearly as a passer. In my opinion, overall, Uh, they have a history from college. Uh, Marquise Brown was his wide receiver one in college. Um, He could be a big boom this year, especially with DeAndre Hopkins out earlier in the year. To me, he also comes with a lot of buzz potential because he hasn't been that great of a receiver. His routes are sloppy. His hands are inconsistent. He needs to get better as a player for it to pay off. But I don't think the risk is big enough to say that I have a problem with this pick. I like Garrett Wilson at the end of the round. I think he has a lot of upside. Still a little early. I like him more as a sixth or seventh round pick. With 5'12, get your guy. Fine. And my pick, Josh Jacobs, 5'9. I... uh. I had to do this pick. I tried to trade down. Josh Jacobs is a guy that goes in the uh, early to mid sixth now. Um, he, he sometimes slides all the way to the seventh. A lot of running backs had gone here and I didn't want to risk not getting him. So yeah. when I couldn't trade down, I just bit the bullet and took him. Because for me, at 5'9", Josh Jacobs is going to far outproduce his draft position. He is a young workhorse back, his backup running backs are Kenyon Drake, who's not good, injury still has injury issues, and Zamir White, who is an inefficient, not great prospect draft in the fourth round. Josh Jacobs is a workhorse uh, running back, with the best offense in his career. He's never had, uh, he's coming off back-to-back running back one seasons, and I don't care if you want to use point per, point per game, because for the past two years, he's been a, a high-end RB2 in that category as well. He's improving as a pass catcher he was just number five overall in pass catching i think he's an absolute value in all drafts even if you're coming up to the late five to take him and you're not going to have to go earlier than the late five i took him as early as is reasonable based on market so yeah, and,
1: and I don't have a real problem with it. I think it was a little bit early, just given Antonio Gibson, who I view in basically the same light, um, still hasn't been taken. He, he might be. Uh, but Antonio Gibson isn't him. a
0: workforce anymore. He's he's going to have skewed – well, he may be. We don't know. There's a big threat to Antonio Gibson's role. There is not a big threat to Josh Jacobs' role.
1: I'm I'm similarly threatened by Brian Robinson and Zimir White, meaning I'm not particularly threatened by either. I, I get what you're saying, though. I mean, it's it's fu- it's fine to have Jacobs above Gibson. Gibson I don't ever want
0: the pick. Gibson also has McKissick.
1: I know, but he's had McKissick the last two years, and he's finished as a top-12 back above Jacobs. But anyways, moving on. We've talked about Jacobs a lot on this podcast. He did not finish uh, one, Jacobs. <laughs> one thing that uh, – yeah, he did. Gibson?
0: Jacobs was just the RB8 and then RB12.
1: I only talk in points per game. I don't do total. And he was um, the
0: RB13 uh, I know. The rb finished.
1: Yeah, Gibson finished above him. I'm pretty sure. Or right around him, regardless. Um, I went a little bit of different strategy. I had 5.8 here. Um, and I saw my – once Matt Jones went, um, I saw a pretty big hole at – sorry, not once Matt Jones went um, – uh, what was I saying? Oh, uh, once I got Derek Carr at 504, the only hole in my starting lineup that I like to fill is tight end. Um, and I really felt the need to go up and get George Kill, so I ended up trading up to get him um, here just because I thought the gap from him to Waller was worth it. Uh, but we can move on to the sixth round. Um, this is the range of wide receivers where I like to have a lot of picks. Um, sixth round, we got Rashad Bateman, Kirk Cousins, then Elijah Moore, Devontae Smith, Mike Evans, and Amon St. brown um, Elijah Moore was a pick I actually traded away. Otherwise, I would have taken him there. And Devontae Smith at 6.04 was my pick. Um, you know, Bateman, Elijah, Devontae, Mike Evans, Amon Ra, Like, we know who these guys are. I think it's the right spot for them. And Kirk Cousins as, you know, 6.02, I think, as the QB 17 off the board. Nothing stood out to me here, but tell me if you disagree.
0: No, but I would say that these players going in the early six, I have on par with the players going in the late five. So when we were talking about flex points, I think this is another one where you really should aim to get to the bottom of this tier. Take whoever falls because honestly, it's a guessing game who's going to be the top.
1: Me too. If if you can trade an early fifth and let's say a late seventh for two early sixths, I would do that anytime because you're trading, let's say, Michael Pittman or Deontay Johnson and, you know, a later guy like Brandon Ayuk to get two of Bateman, Elijah, Devonta, guys like that. So I I would make that uh, deal every time, even if the value might not be perfect. Um, Moving on to the back half of the sixth round, which is uh, catching up to where we are live. Uh, The next six picks, we go a little bit older here. Derek Henry, Darren Waller, Aaron Jones, Tom Brady, and then TJ Hawkinson and Jamison Williams to round out the sixth round.
0: Yeah, I have no problems with uh, any of these picks. I think the one that hurts me a bit is Tom Brady. Still too early for a one-year play for me. Um, but you know, I understand this This team is going for it this year and they uh, got a win now quarterback, so can't fault them. I love the tight end value here. Darren Waller, TJ Hawkins, and six, is money. I think that those are great picks. Um, Jamison Williams, 6'12", reasonable reasonable pick there. I like that. I love Jamison Williams' upside. Um, I think he tends to go in the seventh, but I, I have no problem buying into Jamison Williams. He's my wide receiver two of the class. So um, Yeah,
1: and, and just to recap the sixth round a little bit, Kirk Cousins and Brady were the only quarterbacks to come off the board, and I, I think we got a big teardrop here to pick at Tannehill and Winston, etc., um, at running back, we got Derrick Henry, Darren Jones is the only guys. Um, you know, Gibson is still there. Montgomery's still there. Some other good Zeke is still there. Um, but running back, you can tell, has slowed down a little bit. Uh, tight end, you really got the two tight ends in that tier, Darren Waller and TJ Hawkinson. The guys who got those tight ends, I think, did a great job on value. And then you get the big wide receiver run that we talked about earlier. Um, there's still some good wideouts left, as I mentioned, like Judy, Godwin, Alave, Keenan Allen, those types. Um, but it's it's interesting to see the wideouts really dominate the back half of round five through round six.
0: Were you surprised to see Derrick Henry fall all the way to six, seven?
1: You know, I was tempted a few times. He's Henry's the type of guy I never want to take, so I, I usually like it when he goes earlier, but I applaud this draft's patience. I, I think this is about where he should go, uh, Henry and Aaron Jones, in the, in the back half of the sixth. Um, rarely do they make it that far, but um, you know, he, Henry still went above a few other running backs in my rankings, such as uh, Elijah Mitchell, Montgomery, Dylan, and Gibson, who now, I have higher. I do want maybe not Elijah Mitchell. But I do
0: want to quickly touch touch on Aaron Jones because he seems to be this player that sort of has his value insulated. No one is denying that AJ Dylan is a major threat to his rushing workload moving forward, but it seems to be a foregone conclusion that Aaron Jones is a lock for 80 plus targets, 100 targets. And to me, while that is certainly well within his range of outcomes, it's no lock. We don't know if Aaron Jones is going to be deployed more as wide receiver. We do know that Green Bay has a tremendous need at wide receiver and Aaron Jones is good and does get usage there. But I think it's a little bit too assumptuous to say he's a lock for all these targets. And when we're talking about risk versus reward, when we factor in his reduced rushing workload, are we really going to go and say, "Hey, he can be that same player if he gets this thing that is fairly uncommon for running backs to do"? And I think that's- no, I,
1: I don't think it makes sense. I agree with you. I, I don't get why Aaron Jones, why he'd be going above guys like Gibson, Dillon, and Montgomery in particular. Um, doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me when they've done just as well in the past few seasons. Um, they haven't, you know. I mean, nearly as well. Last year, Aaron Jones had 15 points a game. Gibson had 14. Montgomery had 13. Like, if you're getting four years younger... Um, in order to say, to shave off one or two points a game. I don't see Aaron Jones improving. He His touchdown rate has been pretty high the last few years. I mean, it's it's possible, but to me, if I'm taking an older running back, I need it to be a guy like Eckler, who I think could finish as a top three back, I mean, and I don't think Aaron Jones can do that. I,
0: I do think you are understating a little bit what Aaron Jones has done. I know last year he was a 15-point-per-game guy, but for the two seasons before that, he was an absolute dynamite player. That being said... Uh, we live in a, a, a world where usage change changes rapidly and the most recent seasons more reliable than the ones prior. So I get what you're saying.
1: Right. Before then it was Jamal Williams. Now it's A.J. Dillon. And A.J. Dillon is, is here to stay.
0: Yeah, he's far far better than Jamal Williams. But.
1: Okay, so this was fun. It was a nice break from, quite honestly, the stress of uh, the first six rounds of this draft. Um, I thought this was a pretty useful exercise, and I hope the listeners agree in terms of how we think.